Hello and welcome to Anti-Drug Social Club Podcast. I am your host, Kim Sikoni. Today's podcast is hosted by CFC Loud and Clear Foundation. CFC Loud and Clear is a 501c3 located in Monmouth and Ocean County, helping people from those counties and beyond. Uh, since 2012, we have serviced over 20,000 families, offering them resource um, and help in crisis intervention, as well as getting uh, just offering housing, educational opportunities. It helps people that are in recovery uh, move into recovery with a community, with support. More on this organization can be found on www.healingus.org. Upcoming in this month, November, we do have our, our Meals of Love drive. It is a Thanksgiving drive. We help 10 to 15 families get together the things that they may need to assort a Thanksgiving meal. And um, that drive is running through this month. We do have a link for it. You can find it in the description of whatever platform you are streaming on. We also, in December, are working with Ocean Harbor House on our Duffels of Love again. They are at-risk youth. They just need resources, the things that any kid would need to get through the year. So we provide that and we fill a duffel bag with everything that they could possibly need. So to join either of these drives, you can find them in the description underneath. Every bit helps. Um, It makes a huge difference. And honestly, for me, uh, giving back is a major part of my fulfillment. It's a major part of most people's fulfillment. So it is a giving season. Please uh, feel free to join us on these as we help our local community. Um, Also coming up, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving is Giving Tuesday. So support your local nonprofit. COC Loud and Clear is accepting donations from the 28th through December 1st. And we will be running a campaign, a Why Do I Wear Purple campaign. So please join us on that. Please support us. Share every bit of um, resource helps us whether to share or even if it's just a dollar so thank you guys so much for supporting and let's move on with today's keep going the whole time okay um so today we are joined with a very special guest daniel regan he's actually the founder of cfc loud and clear so welcome dan thanks for having me today kim thanks for being here this is my first time on the show yes it is we talked about you like five thousand times jess was just on to talk i was starting to feel a little left out yeah eventually i had to get in i know you're so busy but i was like i gotta get him in here um, so a really good way to start is uh, how many years you have sober and then your original start into recovery. Like, Yeah. Um, where am I at? I always forget what year I'm in. Uh, I think this is coming up on 13 in March. Yeah, I think 13 Thir- I, or 12. You could be wrong. It's one or the other. Yeah. yeah. It's right there. <laughs> it's still really good. Wait, wait, t- so 2010. No, 13. Yeah. 13. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a journey and my early days in recovery, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, 
you know, like most others, it's at the process of falling on your face and picking yourself back up. You know, my journey through recovery, I had a hard time grasping recovery at first. One, I was really young, so I had a lot of reservations. I couldn't picture myself being sober the day I die. I, you know, I was like, okay, well, if I have a good life, I got like a good 60 years in me. And yeah. that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, to do this whole thing mm-hmm. and um, I really didn't know what my identity was without substances my whole identity came that lost my purpose on life other than yeah. what I knew up to that point so I really didn't know what that road looked like for me and that scared me and then coupled that with time it was just like how am I going to do that I also had a lot of resentments or chips on my shoulder. You know, I grew up, I went to Catholic school, and I just had a bad taste in my mouth with organized religion and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the 12-step model reminded me a lot of that, um, just the teachings and the way it was presented to me, should I say. Right. And maybe I just didn't go to the right meetings or whatnot, but I did try, you know, six separate times to, to do it that route. You know, I was constantly being told, hey, this is the box of recovery. You need to fit in that box. If you don't fit in that box, you're going to die. And I was like, I don't fit in the box. The way I reworded that in my brain was, you're different and it's not going to work for you. So just give up. You know, obviously that's not a healthy mindset to be in. But, you know, that's where I was at. And I felt like no one from treatment was really meeting me where I was at or Mm -hmm. or acknowledging that. I was just being told, hey, well, that's what it is, you know. So I would get a little bit of recovery and shortly relapse after that. And luckily the end of my addiction was quite terrible. You know, uh, the person you see today was not the person at that time. Mm -hmm. I weighed probably about 98 pounds. was strung out on methamphetamine and you know out of my mind and psychosis my mom had to rescue me um from southern california was running around the desert and she called the cops because i was refusing to go to treatment i ended up getting in a fallout brawl with the police ended up getting tasered several times and thrown into a psych ward luckily my grandfather being the amazing man that he was saw a commercial on tv for a treatment center and it ended up being right down the street from where i was um or like a town over uh, i was able to go there and this place was much different instead of telling me to fit in a box they said no no no, no. here's all these different tools and materials and ways that you can recover you pick what works for you and right off the bat that started a great relationship with that uh with all my therapists there because mm-hmm. i was like okay i'm not getting pigeonholed and told what to do i'm able to be creative with what my recovery looks right. like and um i it opened up my eyes and i was like oh, this is awesome i can do this i, yeah. I have you know i had that fire in me like mm-hmm. a possibility at the end of the 28 days i'm feeling great i'm like i'm starting to know what I want in my future, know who I am. I'm starting to get glimpses of this. I knew it didn't stop here. I knew I had to keep going. I knew I had more work to be done. I wasn't cured. Um, and my discharge planner handed me a piece of paper that said, hey, there's uh, nothing like this out there. So what we recommend is you go back to 12 set meetings and do 90 meetings in 90 days. And I'm like, wait, you know, you just, I just spent 28 days doing this whole thing with you. I'm on fire. It worked, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and you're telling me to go backwards. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not going to work. I called my mother. I was crying. But I was just like, Mom, I, I feel defeated. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and I, I know how petrified she was on the other end of the line. But my mom being 
the tough woman that she is. Um, didn't show any waiver in her emotion and just said, if it doesn't exist, we'll build it. I came back home. Uh, I was brutally honest with my family about, you know, what I've done, how I do things. It just totally outed myself because I really wanted it this time. And I didn't want to manipulate any situations because I knew I was back into life. Mm -hmm. I was going to be exposed to those people, places and things again. Um, I didn't trust myself completely yet. So I, I just wanted to out myself on everything yeah. that I did. So that's what I started off the, you know, our new relationship uh, being back home with and, uh, you know, grew from there and I started doing the right thing. We built a recovery plan for myself out of things that worked for me. And it was really hard to find a lot of those things because a lot of what I was doing was based in like Eastern philosophy and Buddhism and yoga and meditation and right. in New Jersey and the whole East coast, that wasn't like a thing. Like it's a thing now, like it's a fad. Like we mm -hmm. have people that like gems and stuff, but mm -hmm. back then that didn't exist like yeah. in, in New Jersey. So it was really difficult to find these services and modalities that I was into. We created this recovery plan. I started doing well. My friends, you know, all my friends, we all ended up um, addicted to drugs and they started seeing how good I was and, then I'm going back to school. I was doing presentations for kids, um, mm -hmm. doing prevention work, stay in your lane. I wanted to know how I did it. And so I started helping them with recovery plans, started motivating them to find their purpose and their passions in life. And mm -hmm. that's how we got the idea to create CFC Loud and Clear. Uh, we, we realized how many people were in the same boat that I was in and yeah. were, were looking for something different that needed to be met with where they're at needed a support system to give them that tough love and um, mm -hmm. expose them to real life clean and sober, you know, how to have fun in recovery. But that's what we did. That's awesome. Um, I, as everybody on this podcast and you know, I came through CFC and I was so grateful that it was like my first avenue into recovery because I'm a very creative person too. So uh, that modality of being able to a la carte your recovery is definitely something that creates such a different um, structure, like a less imprisoned, I feel like, structure for me personally. Um, and yeah, so. I think it's different for everybody. I think there's some people that like that structure and want that very clear, concise, black and white box to fit in. Right. Um, and then there's there's a lot of us that don't want to be confined to, to one pathway. Right. Um, and, and want to explore different things. My one thing that I always tell people too is um, everything gets stale. Your shampoo gets stale. You're supposed to change your shampoo every three months. So I feel like sometimes too, like the program itself, one for three months, one meeting might be phenomenal for me. But at the third month, I'm like, all right, I'm getting a little bored. I need to switch up. And then you're at a refuge recovery meeting or the chakra bowl, um, just something different. Absolutely. So you got to shock the system. Yeah. Just switch it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then the next question would be what therapeutic avenues did you see at that treatment center that you were in that you felt that definitely had to be brought forth in your recovery and brought to other people as well yeah well there's multiple of them i'd say the most prominent the biggest eye-opening experience that i had was doing inner child therapy mm -hmm. Noah rothschild shout him out he he was he's an amazing man Alyssa spoke about uh doing some work with him as well and he's just a great guy and exposed me to this treatment modality that really opened up my eyes to where my irrational beliefs stem from mm -hmm. because until i can understand why i hold these irrational beliefs i didn't know why why i should change them mm -hmm. you know 
And I didn't know how to change them because to me, they weren't irrational. You know, I had right. to realize that they were. And mm-hmm. uh, so he, he brought me on that inner child journey that uh, opened up my eyes to a lot of different things. And when I did that, the change seemed to happen so much quicker because when you point something out, when you really want to change something about yourself and you realize how like how detrimental it was to yourself holding mm-hmm. on to that, you want to get rid of it. So like it was yeah. really easy to make that change rather than over time having so many negative experiences that go, okay, maybe I should change this. Mm-hmm. Like right off that rip, I, I could go, okay, yeah, this isn't working for me. Yeah. Another therapist, Chris, he would do genograms with a family tree mm-hmm. and uh, essentially looking at all the bonds and relationships and stories uh, of how your family um, operates and has operated mm-hmm. throughout the generations. And you map this out with different symbols on a board and essentially you could start seeing pattern within your family and right. seeing that I had the realization like, oh, like it's the same story playing out over and over again in my family. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm not that broken. Maybe this is some passed on, you right. know, trauma from other generations that like I'm dealing with. And he said something really I'll never forget it and I'll never forget the day. I can remember the room and the smell of the room and the time of day and everything. And he's like, you could be the one that changes that path. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I could. Yeah. You know? And all of a sudden that day I had purpose. That's I had awesome. purpose to change something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't doing it just for me. I was doing it for everybody in future generations of the Regan family, you know? Um, and that like made me feel good. It made me feel like I, I, I'm worth something. I had another guy, Aka, who was, he was totally like my dude because he looked like Bob Marley and mm-hmm. he was a Rastafarian, had like dreads down to his ankles and like just cool, chillax dude, totally hippie yeah. mindset, totally me. And, um, we would go out on the cliffside, California and we would just sit and just talk for hours. But he exposed me to breathing techniques. We would do a lot of meditational breathing, a lot of like physical tools to help get me out of those down moments, should I say. Present with myself. We talked a lot about like, you know, your body's a temple and, you know, I was really big into eating healthy. You know, that's gone to the wayside with my busy life now. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, at the time I was, you know, eating healthy and exercising and, um, you know, and he, he really exposed me to those Eastern philosophies and that, that Buddhism approach to things. Right. Yeah. So, so we brought all that into CFC, you know, and you, I know you sat into God knows how many of my Tuesday meetings at this point. <laughs> I talk I know, about this stuff. Answers, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know what? Um, I know that we like kind of went over multiple pathway, but like really for people that are very confused on what multiple pathway is, what would you categorize? Multiple pathways is, is essentially, hey, you know, we're all trying to get up the mountain. The, the, the end goal is the same. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way to get there, right? Um, and I think everybody learns a little bit differently. So each approach kind of teaches the same thing in a little different way. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, different pathways include, you know, you have the 12 step model and then all the different approaches to 12 step model. Mm-hmm. I just learned that this new one that I'm really interested in, you might mm-hmm. like it. It's called uppers and inners anonymous. Hmm. I'd never heard of it before. I got to look into it. I think we've got to bring it in because yeah. It's uh, actually about entrepreneurial mindset. It's the 12-step model for business. Oh. 
been, it's for people that are in recovery looking to like expand expand themselves in their like career path. Right. Really cool. I I, I just heard about this, so we got to look into it. Yeah. But <laughs> all those like twelve set models and the different branches of that. Then you have uh, refuge recovery and the Buddhist approach, and I know there's a uh, Dharma. 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 Dharma yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have those approaches, then you have smart recovery, which is more, you know, I say science based, but what I mean by that is like therapeutic model based. So mm-hmm. it's utilizing therapeutic modalities and it's teaching like RBT, DBT, CBT, things mm-hmm. that you would find at a treatment center. So it's run more of a, like a process group rather than a um, self help meeting. Right. Even though it's a self-help meeting, but it's running more of that kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, structure. So you have you have all those approaches, and there's more. There's Life Ring, there's Celebrate Recovery, there's Christian Recovery. There's all these different pathways, mm-hmm. essentially. Obviously, the end goal is recovery, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a different way of looking at it and getting there. You know, for people like me, I had like a couple relapses before I finally landed here this last time, and... Um, Religion is like a big part of my life and Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like organized religion I'm definitely more of a Bible study and then even still I see like people within the Christian religion that are just like not Practicing Christians in my opinion just the way that they behave so that Mm -hmm. would always throw me off So I understand like a lot of people having trauma with that But then I was always actually traumatized the opposite way where spirituality. I would think it was like satanic, right? so um, when I met Carol uh, initially and she's saying like, oh, we're going to do a full moon ritual or we're going to do this. I like remember I asked her, I was like, is this like against God for me to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, And she said, listen, anything done with good intention is good by God. And that like completely made my availability to search more into my spirituality, which was the missing piece mm-hmm. for me. I didn't have spirituality. I just had religion. And then I had I had my will. I had God's will. There was like no in between of anything. And now I'm like up here looking at laws of the universe and, and things like that. Um, but I never would have came to if I wasn't open, I guess. One, if you are going to enter into multiple pathways, you have to be open to every approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just like getting the right resources. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm all about having that open mind and trying. Don't leave a stone un- left unturned, right? Mm-hmm. Like, try different things and things that, that, like, make you uncomfortable. Maybe there's something there to explore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not about doing something, like, it, it, that you're totally against. But, like, it, but trying something new. Like, if you really don't have a good reason not to try it, yeah. give it a shot. You, you know say I mean? yes to every drug. You, might yeah, as well you just say, say yes to a random mysterious pattern in the bag. You could say yes to yeah. you know, <laughs> trying to see someone's aura for five seconds. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you had you were were not working for CFC, like volunteering pretty much for CFC, running this nonprofit program with your mom. How many years was that going for before you considered stepping into treatment world? Yeah, so um, when my mom said, let's build it, that program, it was honestly our dream to open up a treatment center that was going to be more affordable and more um, attainable for the average person that had the same model of care that that I I was exposed to, Mm -hmm. but wrapped in with a long aftercare. 
Um, we saw the faults in the treatment center that I, I went to mm-hmm. um, because, you know, that treatment center, you know, back then, luckily, my insurance covered the whole thing. There was still, like, deductible and out-of-pocket that mm-hmm. my pa- parents had to put out. But now they don't even accept insurance. It's one hundred and twenty, hundred and forty thousand dollars a month to go there. So who has that kind of money to put out for thirty days without a guarantee of success? Especially when it's not wrapped around, uh, you know, a long term plan afterwards. It doesn't right. matter what you do in thirty days. What what do you? How do you put it into action afterwards? Right. Mm-hmm. So it was always our goal. We were originally turning the farm into a treatment center. Um, we just couldn't get the approvals to, to do that. So we backed away for, from it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but it was always in the back of our mind. So I'm a true believer that things happen when they're supposed to happen. Things mm-hmm. don't happen for a reason. And, um, you know, we were able to learn a lot, experience a lot, obviously grow the organization into what it is today. It's, you know, through those travels and journeys, um, we came across individuals that you know had the money to invest to open up something like that mm-hmm. and we you know got the experience and the know-how i also you know became stronger in my recovery helped a lot more people where mm-hmm. you know i was able and strong enough to to do something like this nature uh, of that nature okay um and what year was that that you opened um, so we started in 2015. Um, mm-hmm. That's when we got the first two sober livings mm-hmm. um, and started looking to, to get our treatment center open. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to open up a treatment center mm-hmm. and get licensed and stuff of that nature. There's still a lot of towns that, um, you know, their land use policies, they just don't want those yeah. people there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took about, it was about four years um, it took to actually find a place to open mm-hmm. and uh, we finally found that place and uh, we're able to open in September 2019. Awesome and that's relevance. Relevance. Right? Relevance yeah. behavioral health and freeholds. Um, so relevance was your first treatment center and then obviously I'm sure you were incorporating a lot of the multiple pathway like we were talking about. Is there any other coincidences or acts of faith that wound up coming into your treatment center that you maybe didn't initially dive into over time yes um you know one of those things that i've always we've always shown in cfc and when when, like that echoed into the treatment center Mm -hmm. is like we're always about whatever's new out there um you know i i don't pretend to have the magic pill that's going to cure everybody Mm -hmm. it's more about I'm going to throw as much spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And mm-hmm. and that way I can effectively help a diverse amount of people, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we did with our treatment center. So we were always adding different modalities and different offshoot groups mm-hmm. within there. Like we have a specialized DBT group that, mm-hmm. in there that, you know, you have to um, do well um, for a couple of weeks and listen to the rules and all that kind of stuff. And then you get like permittance to go into that Mm -hmm. specialized group and that's a small you know 10 person group dedicated counselor and you work within that group there's homework and all those kind of things Mm -hmm. so um you know we do things like that emdr a lot of trauma focused stuff Mm -hmm. um we're very big on our medical end which is very different than i would say we're above standard even to most detoxes and uh inpatients in the sense of our testing so that holistic nature that we've always been drawn to and what Mm -hmm. I've always brought into the mix uh, we do at Relevance. So each one of our 
uh, clients that come in, they get a vitamin deficiency panel. So we do blood testing to see what vitamins or what deficiencies you have that could be causing mental health symptoms right. um, or just that uh, dis-ease in, in, mm-hmm. in our nature. Um, so we try to holistically treat that with vitamins and give you, you know, um, uh, different things that you can eat to help subsidize some of those issues. Uh, we're also looking at your neurotransmitters to see what neurotransmitters are deficient or mm-hmm. over, overactive, which will better uh, guide us into treating mental health conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do gene testing. Uh, so we look at your DNA and see what medications are going to work best for you mm-hmm. instead of playing guinea pig. Uh, we're looking at uh, getting it right off the bat. Right. Um, and now we're introducing um, uh, psychedelic medications, uh, mm-hmm. trying to get away from uh, SSRIs and those kind of antidepressants that do come with side effects. Right. They're not always effective. And uh, so uh, what we have uh, been watching over time, and now it's finally uh, insurance reimbursable, meaning it'll be covered under insurance and it's affordable, microdosing ketamine uh, Mm -hmm. which is done on site Um, it's highly supervised highly regulated we Mm -hmm. had to go through a whole regulation process to get that um, uh, treatment modality Um, and we're finding great success with it with uh, 90% of the individuals that come in there that have had uh, MDD major depression disorder as well as uh, failed medication attempts Mm -hmm. Um, they're seeing a complete reversal in their depression that's awesome yeah so um so what is your, with all these new medicinal routes, right? So there's medical marijuana, there's the ketamine treatments. I know there's spore treatments as well. There's mm-hmm. people that are just experimenting with mushrooms. Um, and then you have the ayahuasca. Um, what is your opinion of substances in recovery? What I think self-medicating is a dangerous game to play. Yeah. Um, I, you can't take away that there are medical benefits to these substances. I mean, there's medical benefits to all substances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, heroin is called heroin because it was a heroic drug. Because before that, before the discovery of heroin and opium, you know, when you're on the battlefield and your leg needs to be sawed off, all you had was really whiskey to drink and a hope and a prayer. When opiates came around, all of a sudden you could be knocked out and you didn't have to feel the pain while your leg was sawed off. So that's why it was called heroin. Right. You know, so yeah, there's medical benefits to everything. And to use that argument is not always the right way of doing uh, to going about it. Now, uh, if you've explored every other option mm-hmm. out there, um, uh, you know, doing it under a supervised, regulated kind of way um, is I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, the medical marijuana uh, is a little bit different because there's no way to really regulate a dosage. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's edibles. That you, you know, you know what the dosage of the edible is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think anybody who suffered from uh, an addictive mindset and an addiction disorder, um, it's very hard to hold on to substances in your pocket over a given amount of time and regulate yeah. yourself. Um and not that, you know, you're going to, you know, cause complete mayhem high on marijuana. Mm-hmm. You got to look at, like, are you completely healed emotionally yet from mm-hmm. your addiction? Like, have you really got past the trauma yet? Have you have you helped these things where, like, you are just 
you know, able to regulate that marijuana or you're self-medicating those problems. So, right. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I see a lot of people gravitate towards the medical marijuana um, and they get kind of stuck emotionally and they don't really grow from that point on. Right. You know, that point might be good enough for them and they're happy with that. Um, but I see yeah. most people kind of fall into that using marijuana all day. Kind right. Of realm. Right. And then also um, sometimes I've seen too with medical marijuana people that do have underlying mental health that aren't fully aware of it also like go into like levels of psychosis or things yeah. like that too which is just so risky when you have underlying mental health to like self-medicate well, that, that's the problem with marijuana there's so much propaganda out there that it, it, it's a solve all for everything mm-hmm. right and, and you know it's going to cure your anxiety and everything but you know the, the reality is is that marijuana does cause paranoia as well you know i mean and that goes for any kind of anti-anxiety medication yeah. out there like even benzos which are obviously the most effective when it comes to curbing a panic attack or something right um but it, it's most effective because it's knocking you out you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's taking you completely out of it but you stop that drug anxiety happens for a long time for a long time a really long time and then you have you know you have uh gabapentin which is also a, a very commonly used non-narcotic anti-anxiety Especially lately and it's, it's been, been like that for like yeah. a couple of years now but even that uh you know you see people with these crazy dosages because eventually it stops working and it mm-hmm. gives you more anxiety than to begin with so and, and marijuana is the same way it actually if you listen to doctors that prescribe marijuana and like actually are trying to work with people on like a medical end of it like on how to use it properly they tell you you shouldn't use marijuana every day and because mm-hmm. your your THC receptors in your brain eventually they get so bound up with THC over time because even though you're not high anymore you still have THC in your system it's a long acting half-life right that's why yeah. it's in your urine for so long mm-hmm. for 30 days after your use right because this stays in your system so long and what happens over time is that your uh thc receptors essentially get burnt out and you're not getting uh, the medicinal effects that you're looking right. for you're only getting the side effects of it mm-hmm. um you'll still get high obviously but like you're it, you're getting all the bad things and not the good things right um so i've seen a lot of people that you know are successful at first with with marijuana with their anxiety Three months down the line, they're they are having the worst anxiety ever. They're isolating themselves again and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. And and you see that even um. You know, with the you know the psilocybin push, where you know mushrooms, where mm-hmm. the microdosing, which there is a lot of literature out there that there is a lot of success with it. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, it's extremely hard to regulate mushrooms mm-hmm. or a naturally grown substance. Mm-hmm. One mushroom is different from the other so how are you regulating what you're taking and how do you properly microdose that and let people drive cars and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. how uh detached are you from the reality that you're currently in Mm -hmm. how do you be present like if we're talking about like you know my recovery and finding to be in the present moment if i'm taking if i'm tripping Mm -hmm. uh, i'm not really present in the moment right you know so I I don't you know I think there's a lot more research that needs to be done on that um yeah. you know if you have psychosis attributes to your mental health if you have psychotic features uh, schizoaffective features 
you know, those things can make it, it could compound it and make it worse. And, and it might not reverse at that point, even stopping that. So you have to be really careful. And that's why I do, um, we were very careful before we went into that ketamine um, microdosing realm with, with, mm-hmm. as an offering. Um, but because it's so regulated, like you have to come in, you, you, you know, you take the substance on site, uh-huh. you have to stay there for three hours, you're uh, watched by doctors and nurses throughout that time, and you relax and, you know, uh, uh, just chill out, watch a movie or something like that. But it's, um, you know, it's highly regulated, you're not taking that home with you, you have to come in for it, yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. stops, one, it holds you accountable, one, you're not going to abuse it because you don't have it after you leave, mm-hmm. um, and you're being, you're being essentially watched and structured, and I think that way definitely helps, you're getting the medicinal benefits, it's regulated, you're doing it the way it's supposed to, you don't have those urges because it's in your pocket, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting just strictly the medical benefits from it. Yeah, um, you know, with the ketamine treatments too, uh, you you opened me up to the um, the passive uh, the tolerance uh, the passageways in your brain how they get inflamed, especially like from trauma. Like they tend to get inflamed, and then your fight or flight response is really messed up. So people that have like extreme childhood trauma, I actually know someone. She tried every single therapy. You know her too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember asking her what was like her top two therapies that like she felt had the best results and. One of them was the ketamine treatment. She said the day of you don't feel great because you're tired, but the next day you actually feel like you could breathe and you could see the world in less gray um, and you just feel like a little more normal. Um, And then she had told me the EMDR was another one that was really good for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but both of them are very powerful. And, uh, you know, we're looking to add TMS now as well, mm -hmm. transcranial magnetic stimulation, Mm -hmm. essentially using magnets to stimulate underactive parts of your brain yeah okay that's a pretty cool one yeah um (laughs) we're getting sci-fi with it (laughs) no that's awesome um i actually i've just recently started doing like all the dbt therapy and stuff i obviously i went to relevance so i utilized a lot of it there but that's actually a good question so on the treatment side a lot of times it's 30 days depending on people's insurance it could be Mm -hmm. 30 days i mean um, I know some people range that better insurance, they could stay longer, but obviously the amount of time you could spend in the physical treatment center, the clinical side, um, is going to affect your success rates, I'm sure, right? The, the portions um, mm-hmm. or percentages. Um, so what is like your biggest fight being in treatment worlds, like with the like percentage rate of success for treatment clinical world uh Would like for relapse about? rate like because um what is it like 85 percent of people when they leave treatment mm-hmm. usually yeah, yeah I, I have them like overall success success numbers um but you know we do um we treat both uh substance use primary and mental mm-hmm. health primary so when you say relapse i you know i i look at it as dysregulation yeah from, from stabilization mm-hmm. um so uh, right right now we're sitting at about sixty four percent successfully completion of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, the non complete individuals it's made up of various different things. Um, you know I would say about half are AMA, uh, mm-hmm. meaning they they you know left treatment against medical advice. Uh, the other half uh, would make up about you know about twenty percent of our census is about. 
administration lead discharge. So either that person, you know, stopped showing up, continually to relapse or something that they uh, didn't mm-hmm. want to follow the program rules. Right. And then I'm sure, too, it even falls into if someone does need like a way higher level of care that maybe Correct. you can't offer. Yeah, they well. fall, that, that would fall under there as yeah. well. And that, that usually happens a lot with, uh, you know, in the mental health side of mm-hmm. what we do. Um, obviously, you know, people that are experiencing psychotic features and uh, uh, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, um, and schizophrenia mm-hmm. you know the, the struggle is a lot harder the, you know mm-hmm. in, in terms of a lot of those medications they have to build up in your system and uh you know if they don't build up fast enough um, we need to send them to a higher level of care right because safety mm-hmm. really um you started relevance in we said 2015 uh we opened in 2019 2019 okay um and what, let's talk a little bit about, you obviously get to see kind of both sides because you're still pretty involved with the CFC side, um, but also you have the treatment world. Why do you think it is that the aftercare plan is so important for people's long-term success? Because a lot of people, they want to leave treatment, they want to close the chapter and move on. So mm-hmm. what is the, the correlation or the push for someone's success to do a long-term uh, yeah, because I know on the clinical side, and I might be biased because I started on the aftercare side, but, um, you know, what we've seen and, and what I know for myself and my own experiences is that you can get to the best treatment center in the world, go there for nine months, have the best therapies, mm-hmm. the best therapists and, and, and all that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter until you put it into action into the real world. And that's where why aftercare is so important because you're going to fail and that's mm-hmm. okay. Like, like that's a part of the learning process. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do that thing that you didn't want to do. And I'm not just talking about relapsing. I'm talking about any kind of behavior that you want to change or, or, or you want to be different. Like you're struggling with identity issues. You're struggling with purpose. You're struggling with passions. You're struggling with how you fit into this world. So mm-hmm. like you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. But how far those mistakes take you Mm-hmm. It depends on what your aftercare plan looks like. If you're surrounded in a community and you have structure and you have people looking out for you and a little bit of that like tough love approach where people are going to call you out on things, be that shoulder to lean on when mm-hmm. it gets tough, uh, it's going to be very hard to find success. It's hard to do it on your own. Now you have relevance um, and recently this year you did open a few more. Yeah, <laughs> so if you want to give a little rundown of like uh, that process, where they are, um, what they are. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we didn't not have our struggle because we opened in 2019 mm-hmm. at events in September. We got mm-hmm. like three good months and then COVID hit. So mm-hmm. um, it was a bit of a mm-hmm. huge learning curve and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, tied behind the bus and dragged through mm-hmm. the dirt. But uh, we we came out on top in success when we were able to, you know, help people through that. I mean, with CFC, we were doing, like, drive-in meetings at, at one point oh, on yeah. the radios. Yep. You know, we got, it, it, I, you know, as crazy as it was, it was uh, kind of fun because I like trying to, you know, it make yeah. lemonade out of lemons kind of deal. But, um, yeah, we had great success. Um, and we expanded into mental health and relevance really... 
uh, we became a very prominent um, treatment center when it came to treating these things. Individuals that are, they have nowhere else to go and they, um, you know, they're getting blacklisted from other treatment centers and we're successfully turning around them around and stabilizing them. And uh, so we knew we uh, had something that worked and um, wanted to expand and be more accessible to individuals. So I started looking at expansion and, and seeing what we could do to yeah. expand our model of care and uh, came across a couple different opportunities over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so Calusa, um, which yeah. is now open, is one of them, and that's in Fort Myers, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that Southwest Florida area um, is has no resources. Kind of crazy because you look at Florida and you think, there's so much treatment uh, there. Yeah, there's so yeah. much treatment there. There's mm-hmm. so many treatment centers. Like, that's where all the bad things happened and, mm-hmm. you know, where it all started. And, and that is all true on the very small East Coast portion of Florida. Yeah, like Delray. Yeah. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that Boca. Boca to Miami area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, there's nothing for the rest of the state. So mm-hmm. they could really use our model. So um, I decided to open up uh, Calusa Recovery, which mm-hmm. is now open. Um, we have housing down there. It's the same model as Relevance, just in Fort Myers, Florida. So okay. that opened in March of this year, 2023. And uh, we also came across another opportunity to open here in Tom's River, New Jersey, which mm-hmm. will be a visa, um, which should be open by December of this year. Awesome. And a visa is also a treatment, behavioral health? Yep. It'll okay. be mental health and substance abuse. And Fort Myers is mental health as well and behavioral health. Yep. Okay. yep. Same as I think. Uh, the only difference with Calusa is that we will um, probably be opening an ambulatory detox as well okay. uh, in that building. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, the same mo- model duplicated. Uh, I wouldn't do it up here in New Jersey because there is so much detox accessible. Mm-hmm. But in that area, there isn't a lot of detox places mm-hmm. accessible. Um, they also have their own unique issues down there. So there's a huge veteran homeless population there mm-hmm. um, that have had bad experiences with uh, different VA hospitals and mm-hmm. you know the lack of care down there. So they're a little bit more hesitant to go to treatment. Right. Um, so for that population, because we're in that work with the VA and TRICARE down in uh, Florida, right. um, we want to help that population. So we thought that you know, by having an ambulatory set up that they don't feel like locked in and confined, it won't affect mm-hmm. their PTSD, but they'll still get the benefits of detox. Um, mm-hmm. So we wanted to help that population. There's also, um, you know, methamphetamine is a very popular substance mm-hmm. down in Florida. And uh, most insurances will not cover a detox for methamphetamine. Right. And the problem with that is that they, they said, you know, methamphetamine doesn't really have a detox to it so yeah. therefore we're not covering it yeah um but that's just that's not true there's mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety and different things that do come up with mm-hmm. methamphetamine you might not die from detoxing from it but there is a detox period to it so mm-hmm. um with ambulatory because it is a lessering lesser billing charge for mm-hmm. detox they're more, they, open. they're more open to doing that healing <laughs> us centers um as a whole what direction are you really trying to take it are you still looking to expand more and more are you trying to sit comfortable with the ones that you have now um is there like any changes that are coming up so right now i'm in crazy startup phase Mm -hmm. um and obviously this is my first venture and uh part of you know my career journey um 
of learning how to expand and do mm-hmm. quality control o- over that model of care. So that's what I'm going to sit and uh, work on right now mm-hmm. is making sure that our model of care is properly yeah. um, conducted in, in many different places. Um, you know, we're still, you know, with CFC, we've gone through some growing pains with me being uh, taken away, uh, you know, my time uh, and and, and making sure that we're still producing the same quality of care and same um, uh, uh, values uh, Mm -hmm. as an organization. So um, that's what I'm going to go through for for the time being. Um, You know, I'm a a go-getter and a dreamer. So, you know, I always look at, yeah, that's kind of how I think. And I got to you know, bring myself back down to earth all the time. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the future, I want to, I want to Calusa visa and relevance running smooth. Um, you know, relevance, we're going to have to get a bigger building. So I got to move relevance as well. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to expand into detox and residential down in Florida, Mm -hmm. uh, inpatient. I would like, uh, inpatient mental health center here in New Jersey. There's a huge need for inpatient mental health that isn't, hospital-based. People are paving the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunrise is opening um, an inpatient mental health uh, facility at their Tom's River location. And um, so uh, they're kind of paving the way for the rest of us to be able to do the same. Right. So I'm looking to do that as well, probably, probably like a year and a half off. Mental health is actually really... You know, we, we work with the Howell Police Department. Obviously, you guys uh, started been working with them for a while with the crisis response. And uh, I was there this past year for the training for crisis response unit. Um, and something that I thought was really cool as well is, for instance, my sister's husband, he first responder from 9-11, his first year on the job. Mm-hmm. He has some uh, PTSD-like symptoms. Um, and I also found out that a lot of people that were in 9-11 have constant fear of, like, germs and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um so he deals with that. So it's mental health underlying, and there's not a lot of resource for people that don't have. And I thought it was very cool that you guys, I forgot what it's called, but you guys accept. Is it TRICARE? I don't know. Uh, we're in network with TRICARE VA, and we're actually recipients of the 9-11 fund as well. So okay. if you yeah. are a survivor of 9-11, was a first responder, or within like a certain area mm-hmm. when those attacks happened, um, you can utilize that fund Uh, Mm -hmm. to help with mental health and medical needs so um, we can accept that and then now healing us um, as a whole I know that we're looking to kind of umbrella it a little Mm -hmm. bit more so like CFC even being more under the umbrella of the healing us centers so what does that look like what is the reason for us wanting to do this rebrand we have expanded as an organization Mm -hmm. obviously uh, my, my dream of having a full continuum of care for individuals that really harness our ethics and our vision mm-hmm. of this long-term plan for people to get well. Treatment, multiple pathway, mm-hmm. harm reduction, clinical care, along with a, an aftercare plan that is envelopes a whole community and that purpose, that passion and uh, life skills that are needed to, mm-hmm. to make recovery successful, it's coming to fruition. It's, it's here. Mm-hmm. We want to expand not only you know the clinical care services that we're doing, but also CFC in of itself. Obviously, mm-hmm. CFC 1 
that federal grant a couple of years back and that we were allowed to expand to multiple places in New Jersey. The clinical care is just catching up. CFC has been in Tom's River for three years now. The clinical care is finally getting here, but we're looking to expand CFC down in Florida and kind of follow that, that model around to make it more accessible. So you know, the rebrand is really important because we had the vision, but also putting it together, we didn't put it together in a way that made it whole, you know? Right, and, right. and when I walk around and I'm Daniel Regan, I'm the guy that does COC, Aviza, Calusa, Relevance, it's like all these names. It's mm-hmm. like, so um, I think to, to better put out what we do and to make it more accessible or market it correctly to people that are in need, right. um, putting it under an umbrella is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always been healing us. Like yeah, right? Relevance yeah. email has been hucenters.com since uh, we yeah. began. So the vision was there. But we're just finally putting it into play now. Uh, healing us is going to be the continuum of care model. And then mm-hmm. underneath that is a different parts of that model. All the companies are separate. They're all bonded by, you know, me being the founder, but Mm -hmm. they're all their own individuals, companies collectively putting together together a model Mm -hmm. of care. So in the future, uh, just so you guys are aware, we are switching over our name, our rebranded still, you'll see CFC on everything, but, um, we are going by Healing Us Communities for the future. And it's really just for an easy understanding. A lot of times people don't realize that relevance and CFC, like you were saying, are they either think that we are the same thing or they don't know we're related at all. So now having the Healing Us Communities and we're still a nonprofit, we're still operating um, solely as a 501c3. We're just switching over the name just to make it easier. And then that way, when we move these communities to the other treatment centers so like in Fort Myers um, and it possibly eventually in Tom's River we want to be able for people to know that we are all the healing us communities they're just branched out yeah and we have a lot of people that want a, a CFC in their area yeah um, mm-hmm. and you know being a nonprofit there's no it's hard sustainability that's what you're always fighting with at the nonprofit world because mm-hmm. we our program is free you know so yeah. uh, we it's hard to sustain that, you know, without grants. So there's a lot of people in areas, like we have someone in Indiana that wants to start one, um, you know, to expand in Fort Myers. I can only be in so many places at once. You can right. only be in so many places yeah. at once. So Alyssa can only be in uh, so many places at once. So in order to do this, we need to invite people to the table that want to take this and run with it. Right. So in order to do that, like how do you let someone run with it and make it theirs with mm-hmm. your model but keep it under an umbrella. So that's what the Healing Us does as well. So CFC is the New Jersey uh, chapter of the Healing Us communities where, um, you know, I've been in uh, communication with uh, Communities Recovery Center, which is a 501c3 recovery Mm -hmm. community organization down in Fort Myers. Mm -hmm. Very passionate people want to do this, want our model and introduce it and just bring it under their branch. So Mm You know, it'll be Kimmy's recovery down there utilizing the CFC model under the Healing Us umbrella. Okay. Yeah. I want to get Healing Us communities where people can learn our model, take our right. model, we'll teach you how to do it. I also uh, just want for people, now that I have you, um, you break down addiction as not a disease, but an infection. Why is that? For me personally, I've never liked the disease model. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me to be working towards something that's incurable was something that um, didn't seem very motivational to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And 
be doing a lot of the Buddhist practices um, that I was doing, learning about detachment and how powerful the words are. And when you pigeonhole yourself with using words that are infinite, mm-hmm. how that could be damaging to your productivity to making change happen in your life. Yeah. Um, so I felt like saying that I have a disease and waking up and having to tell myself that every day mm-hmm. as a reminder was not really helping me. It wasn't scaring me into doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. What it was doing was telling me that, oh, why care? It was very self-defeating for myself. Mm-hmm. Other people will argue me on that point, but for me, that's what it was. I never looked at addiction as a disease, but I like to having a medical description for addiction is very important. For a long time, we fought so hard to get it medically acknowledged that this was a medical issue and not just like someone that doesn't want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. right? Because it is a medical issue at the end of the yeah. day. I always called it an infection because I, I do believe all addiction starts from trauma of some sort. So event that creates a wound right Mm -hmm. in us and we don't know how to heal that wound properly or we ignore it push it down whatever you want Mm -hmm. to say whenever you ignore a wound and don't take proper care of it it becomes infected Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day drugs are just a symptom of what's going on deeper right the root causes uh, of our behaviors being that it's a symptom an infection is a byproduct of not taking care of a wound Mm -hmm. right and so how do you heal an infection? Well, you have to dig out that wound again. You have to go in there. You have to open it back up. It's a painful process. It's mm-hmm. a long process. And then you have to do a care regimen to let that heal properly. Mm-hmm. So this takes time. It takes dedication. It takes um, uh, determination and, um, and structure in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And then once it heals you're you're good you no longer have that infection but you do have a scar there mm-hmm. you can't change the past right you are also more susceptible to reinfection because you were once infected right, right. what is your goal for i guess yourself your family but also uh healing us centers as a whole like over the next like five to ten years uh, is to expand the clinical services that we have, mm-hmm. expand CFC's reach, kind of like franchise it, if you will, get more involved in the community than we already are. My kids are little and, you know, I like to spend a lot of time with them. So I know um, I'm always going to be involved in helping people. That's my purpose. Right. Um, I want to do that on many different levels. Uh, so my goal is to, to build out what we do to the point where I have more free time to one, spend with my kids and to explore different avenues of helping the world. Yeah. Okay. So this is my last kind of funky question. Uh, have you ever seen the white underbelly and how he explains yes. like, yeah. Um, what do you really feel that the the true underbelly of our country maybe has been is that is causing, you know, not necessarily mental health, but it does play a role too. Um, but the substance use, um, there's a lot, (laughs) it's a lot to unpack Kim. Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of first world countries, Mm -hmm. you have to look at how we have expanded as human beings Yeah, and how convenient our life is today. I mean, even if you go back 100 years from today, which isn't that long, yeah. you know, it's really not 100 years. It's My grandma's 92. One so, lifetime, yeah. you know, 
um, how inconvenient life was. I mean, that's, you know, 1923. You know, life is a lot different in 1923 than it is today. And so we have catapulted so fast and so far as human beings in terms of our accessibility of things, our knowledge of things, um, you know, having these, these computers in our mm-hmm. pocket where yeah. like we could just look up anything we want, convenience, what it does is you, one, find yourself needing instant gratification with everything. Mm-hmm. Our attention spans are so much shorter than they once were because we live life in 10 second clips are exposed to a lot more, which all these things are two-sided problems. Like Exposure is a good thing, meaning that you have a wider lens on what's going on, mm-hmm. but we don't have a direction on what to do with that wide lens. Yeah. You know, which leads yeah. us to like that self-destructive behavior because we don't know what to do with all this knowledge or this There's insight. like a lot of stimuli, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so... You know, I don't know what the solve is. I really don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you what the problems are. And we need to figure out what we do with that. But there's a lot of distrust in the world. One, because we have a lot more education. Two, you know, what we've seen just in America alone, like over, you know, the 1990s to today. And that's what I can tell you because it's what I experienced. But there's a lot of distrust for government. There's a lot of distrust for any types of authority. Um, you know, our schooling has gotten totally away from life skills and is focused on testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really has no bearing into real life. Right, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, our focus is really messed up. Mm-hmm. We need to get back and go back to that simple type of Like mindset. the basics, get mm-hmm. back to basics, yeah. Dan, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and taking your time out of your week because I know that um, you've got so much going on. So I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And do you have anything you kind of want to put in there at the end? A little closing advice? Funny dad joke? <laughs> put so much pressure on me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, no, just... If you're listening to this and you're thinking about making a change happen, jump at it. Yeah. Start doing the deep dive into Google, mm-hmm. finding out your whys, figuring out a place to go. And hey, if you got questions, we got a phone number that you can call. Just talk yeah. to us and we'll help you figure it out. You know, we're this about was... giving information so you can help make a healthy mm-hmm. decision for yourself at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. utilize us. We're here for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, guys.